Welcome to Cup of Tea with the Vet. This is a fortnightly show pre-recorded live on social media. I started the show to help owners fall back in love with their vets and learn more about them as humans. We learn all about the vets' lives on this show and it's really fun and interesting. Enjoy the show. And welcome to another cup of tea with the vet. We've got TV vet Paul Manctolo. Have you got your cup? Yay! And um, uh, we are going to chat with Paul Manctolo, who is also um, also head vet at the PDSA. Um, please come and introduce yourself, Paul. Yes, nice to meet everybody. Uh, yeah, my name is Paul Manxlow. I am the principal vet at PDSA, uh, so the UK's uh, leading charity. We treat hundreds of thousands of pets every year there. Um, I also do all sorts of other stuff. Uh, I've been very privileged to work in the media, and I've, uh, I've done quite a lot of TV stuff. Recently just presented on Crofts um, with Claire Balding, which was fab. Um, so, yeah. Do a little bit of everything, bit of business, bit of media, bit of vetting. So yeah, jack all trades. That's lovely and so fun and so diverse. And you know, I just think it's really nice because it keeps you your mind banging around all the time. Um, so no, that is really really cool. And Crufts obviously is a, a lovely place to be, isn't it? Just buzzing. So that must have been a lot of fun. Oh, and just surrounded by dogs as well is my happy place. I think it's uh, it was fantastic. It, it was quite interesting. It's interesting being a vet at Crofts, I would say, especially presenting because um, whilst there's the the lovely you know dog loving side of Crofts, there's also uh, quite a lot of controversy around welfare as well. Um, obviously, historic breeding issues and things like that with some of the pedigree breeds. So it's quite an interesting role to have being the, the 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 vet at Crofts, and it does put you in the public eye. But it was a really good platform for me to talk about some of the, you know a lot of the things that I'm really passionate about in terms of dog uh, dog welfare, and they were really open to you know to have discussions about some quite controversial subjects. So it was a really really good platform, and uh, it was so good they're rerunning quite a lot of the footage and shows that created some no new shows that are out uh, I think this Saturday 20th yeah so Crufts Extra goes live on Saturday at seven o'clock so yeah it's still, it still goes up. amazing and it's, it's a really good point that you raised there as well is that like you talk about the controversial subjects because it's really important to talk about those things and not just brush them under the carpet and equally credit where credit's due you know there are some awful things that we're not comfortable with but there are some improvements as well, and those do need commending, don't they? So it's really it, it's really nice to be open and, and keep exploring those things. So well done. Yeah. Um, as well, like as a vet, veterinary profession, you know, has often been it's been you know a little bit. I would say I think I can say this kind of vet, but sometimes it's a bit finger waggy when it comes to talking about health issues and things. We we're very you know good at saying what people should be doing. Um, but I think, you know, things like Crufts, it's really important to to sit around the table with people and have the conversation. So I know a lot of vets that said to me, I can't believe you're doing Crufts, you know, with all, with all issues with breeding and things. I can't believe it. And I was like, well, at least I'm there and having the conversation with people and actually being able to raise, you know, these subjects and talk about them and, and understand both sides of everything as well. Because obviously, um, I know I've done a huge amount of like campaigns around things like pet obesity over the years. And um, and you know I've often found um, when when you take the stance that 
don't do this and you should never feed your dog treats and you should always exercise this much you, you don't get anywhere because people that's not how people live that's how that's not how we live ourselves so it's not how we you know treat our kids or ourselves so you know you just gotta you know put things in human terms yeah no you're right you're so kind that's so kind that's that's just oozing kindness is exactly true so yeah well done that's really nice to hear and yeah it, it's really hard when there's people that disagree with what you're choosing to do but it takes all sorts doesn't it we've all got to do these things um so i just want to say a big hello to amory who is here and watching um and waving hi amory and becky um and david smith who has jumped on and he has said hi i have a racing whippet with a torn gracilis um still giving cold treatment to reduce swelling and some cold laser treatment anything else we should be doing someone's just jumped straight on with the with the hard question wow and we've gone quite into quite a specialist case there as well so something that is um yeah it sounds like if you're having a cold laser treatment you're probably going down a, 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 a quite an advanced path of uh, soft tissue man and scar tissue management there so i guess i'm almost looking at donna here and thinking she's probably got the expertise to answer this more than i do to be honest um yeah no that's absolutely fine um yeah i have to say my first answer would be go to see a physio um and have that conversation with them because actually there are tons of things and i could probably talk about 10 minutes about what to do and yes you want to um do all the things you can with reducing swelling but i mean you know, uh, even, you know, even laying on their back, you know, can sometimes help them to reduce some swelling. And yes, the cold laser is great, um, but you also need to be doing some other things to uh, slowly get that leg moving, slowly get it working. So some controlled exercise plans, some controlled muscle building. Um, it's all about timing with these things. So I must admit, um, I think I'll probably get back to you later, David, to answer some more of that because that that's a big conversation. Um, that's probably my fault because I always find it really hard when uh, you know your your um, technical brain kicks in and then you're like, well, how do you answer this quickly? And it's like, nope, nope, won't work. Can't answer it quickly. Yeah. So hopefully that's enough answer there, David, and I will get back to you later on it. I think as well, it's probably worthwhile just pointing out like, the kind of vet I am. Um, most of um, the dogs that I would see have, have been lame in the park. They're not performance animals. Um, so if you think about the analogy of um, the kind of uh, the kind of doctor that would you would get looking after a football team, for example, where the injuries are very high performance and very specific to to certain tissues, um, you kind of need to go and see a really high performance vet. I would say rather than than a lowly old GP like me. <laughs> oh, bless you. Um, yeah, no, there is definitely some benefit in going, obviously, you, you know, to see the right specialist about these things. But that's that's exactly what you would put them to the physio for. So because this is basically this is a musculoskeletal problem. So that's exactly right. So um, that's no problem. I think David's happy because he said thank you. So oh. um, so that's great. That's no worries. I think um, just one, one of the things on that, Donna, that I always think a bit of a more holistic answer on some of this stuff is everybody focuses on the muscle, the surrounding tissues, the range of motion. And I just sometimes think we miss a ticket, um, especially with injured tissues in looking at nutrition, uh, because everybody keeps everything the same. But, you know, damaged tissues need to heal. So I always think looking a little bit more holistically at, at the dog at that point is probably worthwhile and can help help tissue healing a lot. So if I could add anything there, that would be it. 
No, definitely. That is very, very well said. Because yeah, well, I mean, I always end up talking about them, you know, you know, tiny increase in protein, don't want the extra calories. But, um, you know, it's definitely well worth pointing out. So yes, well done. Um, so what do you like to do in your spare time when you're actually chilling? Oh, spare time. That's a really nice concept, isn't it? This <laughs> So, yeah, I've, I've spent quite uh, the last couple of years, I've spent a lot of time um, exploring things like meditation uh, and and yoga and things like that. So I do have quite a big focus on on well-being and stuff. And I've, I've just started writing, um, I started writing a book a few months ago. Wow. Which has been which has been quite good. I, I've kind of. Um, it's quite a way off actually finishing it, but so don't 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 get too excited about reading it yet. Uh, but um, I um, yeah, I think it's quite quite an interesting, especially this this uh, point in history. I would say um, I think it's a good opportunity with us all being locked down and things to really focus inwardly on stuff. Uh, we don't have as many distractions uh, that we did you know, pre, pre-COVID. So um, one of the things that I'm going to do this weekend, I, I need to take some time off because it's work has been relentless over the last few weeks. Uh, and as you know, I was in hospital myself with, with COVID-19 uh, just at the end of, just the beginning of this whole whole uh, pandemic. So um, I haven't really stopped since then. And uh, so I'm taking a few days off uh, this weekend and, and the next few days next week. And I'm doing a digital detox. So I'm going to turn all my devices off, my TV, phone, internet, Wi-Fi, everything. And I'm just going to try and do a few hours of meditation every day and just do a bit of writing on my book and a bit of reading just for a few days and just, you know, just recharge my batteries. That sounds amazing and, yeah, just lovely. I have to say, uh, so when COVID started, or the lockdown started, um, we, uh, my family, we all moved into the tent in the garden um, so very similar mindset. It was like, no, nope, we're leaving this, left yeah. the house, slept in the garden. All of us were in the tent. It was like, fine, we'll just have a mini holiday in the garden. And um, it actually got our minds working quite nicely for being imaginative about being able to do stuff. Um, so, yeah, that was quite good. I want to ask, though, um, what's your book? Is it fiction, nonfiction? What is it about? So it's 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 a very it's a number of short stories uh, about my experiences uh, of of being a vet. So it's it's looking at that uh, relationship between uh, pets and their owners, and uh, the sometimes kind of uh, crazy, uh, awkward kind of situations you get yourself into in consults as a vet. So it's a little bit of a reflection, really. I mean, I, mean, I I've been a vet for oh my God nearly nearly 20 years now um and i've worked kind of on the front line in some of the busiest hospitals in the uk so i've got so many stories of things that have happened in the console room and in the operating theater uh, so it's just a bit of a, a a bit of a reflection on those really um, i'm trying the, the thing is that some of these situations are so as you know working in the industry some of these situations can be so funny so i'm just trying to give an honest view of, of some of that stuff really are you allowed to tell us one of your funny ones? Um, uh, yeah, I've got some. 
you know, I say, I say, I say they're, they're funny. Some of them might be a little bit shocking, actually. <laughs> so I probably need a bit more time to explain the context of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've had some very, very interesting consultations over the years, I would say, and um, and some, uh, yeah, some interesting experiences. But I'll save it for the book. I think I'll save it for the book. Fair enough. Do you know, I'm going to share one for you because um, it's just you reminded me and you're right. These things happen. So many things happen. I've got so many stories in my head, but this is actually somebody else's story. But I'm going to share it anyway because it's hilarious um, because all I saw, I was a nurse at the time, trainee nurse, no, no less. So, you know, very, very, very shy and new. Um, and I just saw the vet come out from the consult room after the client had left, paid and, and gone. Um, face white. I was like what's up and he said um she took her top off she took her top off she took her top off and it was the the, the owner had just she that was how she was trying to um show she liked the vet so um she just took her top off wow. <laughs> so, um, i know and i was like oh my god so yeah i i do get what you mean now i've heard some um shocking things as well um over the time and i wouldn't have even known if he didn't tell me because she just walked out like that was totally normal i was like wow so um yeah hilarious things happen so um yeah we definitely can't wait uh Anne marie has also said that she can't wait for the book either so um so that is awesome well at least one person's buying it then <laughs> <laughs> definitely have faith have faith well, it's interesting because, I, you know, when you start these projects, you really, uh, you don't really know what 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 it's going to entail. But I've just found the process of writing stuff so, uh, so, so rewarding. Like, even it's got to the point now where I'm kind of four chapters in, I'm thinking, if I never publish this, I don't care. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so, it's such a different kind of, kind of experience. And also, it's just nice sitting there clearing some space in your head and just just kind of like enjoying it and, and letting it all flow so it's been really really good and also these are things that are kind of in my head like you know if, if i didn't get them out on paper somewhere i'd never be able to share them so it's really good opportunity to uh, list some of those funny things and being a vet you know it's not just about treating animals at all uh, you, that's what you think it's going to be about when you when you graduate from university and you start your first job what you realize very quickly it's you are you know um you are uh, kind of treating animals you're almost counseling people you're you're trying to you know build relationships in a team and those relationships often break down you know people go through real hardships in that team and you're there to support them so you're balancing all these things and it becomes a really interesting complex day at work when you're trying to you know counsel the client and treat the animal and you know your friend at work just got divorced from the partner and all this stuff and it's you know it's it's a it's a real it's a real kind of multi-skilled faceted profession no it definitely is i do you know i actually hold the receptionists in a massively high regard because they're often the ones taking the brunt of the emotional stress within the practice yeah. <laughs> so yeah no that's great and and people are often you know really worried and emotional when they when they first come into a veteran practice or they first phone up because you know the majority of the, especially in my career I've worked mainly in in emergency settings so people are really stressed and anxious when they come in to see you and so you have to you know somebody that walks in and they're up here emotionally you've got to bring them down here 
in order to to you know explain what you're doing with a pet and, and to get on and treat it so you become like a people you know you become like an almost like you're able to manage people as well as managing animals as well it's quite quite complex fun, it is well well done you for managing you're obviously doing a very good job so well done um annabelle says hello and what is the most unusual or most exotic animal you've treated uh, well, I have a bit of a background in zoo work, actually. So I have done some some things in zoos. So um, I remember we once took a tumour off a shark, um, only not a big shark, quite a small one. Um, but <laughs> with, with sharks, you've got this really weird process for uh, anaesthetics where you have to drop the anaesthetic drug in, in a tank that they're in. Uh, and then they, as it works, they, they kind of float to the top. Um, but obviously with fish, uh, with sharks, they have to keep moving. So they even move when they're asleep because they have to keep oxygen moving over their gills. So we had this setup where you quickly got the shark out, put it on a ramp and, and down this ramp was flowing water, oxygenated water with some of the anesthetic in it. So you had to kind of strap the shark to the ramp so it was being anesthetized. And then, uh, and then, and then, remove the tumor really quickly, uh, and with the wound that had to be waterproof, uh, and then put it back in the tank and kind of move it around with your hands until it woke up, and then take your hands out very quickly before it managed to, to bite you. So that was all very exciting and very weird, I would say. Um, that's probably the weirdest one I've done. Yeah, that is so cool. That I was not expecting that. Well done. So, um, what's your favourite part of being a vet? Um, I would say the best part, uh, of being a vet, I think is the, um, the bit where you hand that animal back and it's fixed. Um, you know, you find that, um, that reaction you get from an owner and from a animal when you put them back in the same room after animals been sick is, is kind of priceless really. And it's just, it's really kind of um because i've worked quite a lot in tv those are the moments that these tv shows often capture and when you watch them back you kind of uh you kind of think wow you know that's that moment and when you see it every day you you kind of like sometimes it, it, you become a little bit blasé to it but when I, I suppose when i've seen it on on tv i'm like wow that is that's the magic there that's uh, that's that is definitely the best bit but i mean it is a really rich career um in terms of i love the i've always worked in you know big kind of busy hospitals so that sense of camaraderie and teamwork and you know yourself when 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 the when you have a really slammed busy day everybody pulling together um it's just a great great profession to work for i found it um, I think on the flip side of that, it's a really hard job as well. It's emotionally draining. We have a lot of problems uh, with depression and mental health in the profession at the moment. We have a high dropout rate, which is something that, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work to, to, to try and, you know, engage and build resilience, especially new graduate vets. Um, so it's not an easy job. And, and, and at the moment, the guys that are working on the front line, I mean, talk about the the fifth emergency service they are just doing a fantastic job in the most difficult of circumstances i was at one of my hospitals on friday and it was just you know the way that they're pulling together they're just seeing emergency after emergency 
uh, and it's you know it, it's it's amazing what they're doing. So you know, hats off to all the vets and nurses and support staff around the UK right now. That's um, that's a really great thing actually to move on to because I, I mean I usually I like, I like to ask vets like you know who's great in your team, what amazing things have you got, but actually your team's huge, so you've probably got every box ticked, and and obviously from an emergency point of view as well. That that's that is mainly what you do, isn't it really? Yeah, I mean, at PDSA, we a big proportion of our work is uh, is emergency and life saving. I mean, um, you know, we're very much the NHS for pets. You know, we've got hospitals all over the UK. We treat nearly half a million pets a year. Um, but our teams are huge, you know. But every member of that team is plays their part. You know, as you say, the receptionists that, that work in the front. We have a huge support team of veterinary care assistants, nurses. Uh, the vets I can't forget can't forget the vets uh, yeah. and all the all the management teams that, that, that sit you know and and do 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 all the stuff to support the hospitals so it's a huge operation um but it's but it's yeah it's great working in those big teams i think it's absolutely fantastic that's lovely that's great well done to you all definitely um so annabelle also says that she wasn't expecting that either how amazing that oh. was to do with the shark so well done so <laughs> I also have to ask, what do you love about physio? Mm. So um, I guess physio is one of those things where um, as a vet, we only get a limited amount of time with a client. So I would say we might be, uh, you know, experts in health. Um, but when it comes to all the things that holistically sit around treatment, um, we just don't don't get the time and I think that's where some of the therapists like physio really step in like we can see something for example with arthritis and an animal with arthritis or a post-operative uh, you know pet and, and dispense the anti-inflammatories and give a little bit of advice off the go but but really you know just just as anybody that's been injured knows you know when you invest the time in something like physiotherapy that's really where you make the big Big advances in in uh, in kind of mobility and recovery and things like that. So I think it's great that there's all these professions that sit around mine that that are you know really kind of complementary, supportive, uh, and and really have a holistic view of, of how to do things. And um, yeah, so I think it's great. Thank you. That's lovely. It's really good when we hear that uh, so many supportive vets for the uh, you know paraprofessionals. You know, which is really great. So thank you for that. So I also do really want to know, because I love this question, what still grosses you out as a vet? There must be something. Oh, um, well, as you know, like if you've ever sat in a veterinary clinic or hospital uh, at tea break time or lunchtime, the conversations are pretty gross anyway, because you just talk about cases and, you know, somebody's got anal glands on the, you know, on the, on the scrub top or, you know, talking about what, what came out of a pus-filled tumour or, you know, you have all sorts of gross conversations. So it's very rare that something grosses me out, to be honest with you. But I have found as I've got older, and this is a bit weird, that I've, I've been a little bit grossed out by, do you know, you get um, really old animals that have got, uh, you know, qu quite manky teeth as they get older and they need quite a lot of work and, and um, uh, yeah, that that kind of grosses me out. I don't know why, because it never used to. But when you go over the mountain, you go, oh, oh, God, that's not great. Uh, but, but you know, once it's had a bit of a scale and polish and, and then you can look at the teeth and it's come out and fine. But it never used to bother me. It's very strange, isn't it, as you get older? Well, it's lucky you're not a dentist. 
no, I can do that. Not every day. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. No, that's like that's a new one. So it's good. See, I love that question. I think that's my favourite question. So, what would your dream achievement be if time was no issue? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I guess for me, um, pets are probably uh i i see they play such a huge part in people's lives and uh and uh, their role in companionship and and all these things make them really important to society and we, you know especially especially to say we, we see a lot of people that are you know potentially socially isolated and they rely on animals um for their own well-being uh, so i think they're really really important I would say what I would wish for is that we get a few things right <laughs> when we're looking after pets, because we just don't seem to be able to grasp things like, you know, diet and nutrition, we've got a big obesity problem. Uh, and, you know, really, I, 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 I love dogs. I love, I love all pets, but, you know, I, being a, you know, a dog owner for, for most of my life. But when, when I see a dog that is anxious or stressed, um or and, and owner's not aware of it you know so it's not being either probably socialized or or it feels anxious in a certain situation and um, that that breaks my heart a little bit really um i think if we could do anything it would be to fix some of these fixable problems we've got the knowledge out there um it's just how do we as as pet owners put that knowledge into practice uh and, and do those fixes because uh, yeah it's it's great to see, there's nothing better you know to see like a pet that's happy and healthy there's nothing better than that uh so yeah it would just be great if we could uh get get a few of those bits right yeah no that would be nice i think we're all on a life journey aren't we we're all on a learning curve and we're all improving and becoming better and so yeah it's definitely just all part of that package isn't it get get better for you get better for your pet so um yeah that makes a lot of sense i'm really interested at the moment i'm really fascinated by modern lifestyles and how we've evolved uh, as a society and what that means for our pets as well so for example the traditional model of of dogs uh, when you know when my grandma had his dogs you just opened the back door and they just roamed out and they, they mixed with old dogs in the neighborhood and kids went and played with them and, and they came back home and they, they got a few leftovers and the, but you know these dogs were quite well socialized and they were quite happy i wouldn't ever suggest doing that now obviously uh, that's the big no-no don't just turf your dog out the back but as our lifestyles have evolved i mean one of the really sad statistics that came out uh, the pdsa put an animal well-being report out every year and um, I think it was 70, uh, how many was it? I can't remember now, but there was a big proportion, nearly 20%, yeah, I think it was a couple of million dogs uh, in the UK are left uh, in the house for more than five hours on their own every day. Um, and if you think that's two million dogs like that, that today have been left in the house for more than five hours, maybe not, maybe not at the moment on the road because people are at home a lot. But stuff like that, when you hear statistics like that, you're like, really? You know, that really kind of breaks my heart a little bit to hear that sort of stuff. So um, I think there's but, but I think there's conversations to be had. What do we do when we want a dog and we work and, you know, what 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 can we do to make sure that their well-being needs are met? But there's definitely I've got a fascination at the minute about modern modern lifestyles and pet ownership. No, it's a really good one. You need to talk to uh, Hannah Capen because she also had that conversation with me. Um, yeah. And, you know, so true. Uh, like the whole laminate flooring thing because everybody wants these beautiful shiny floors which yeah. are basically like 
ice rinks for animals to walk on and um you know we consider it mostly to be well if anyone does consider it at all it becomes a end of life issue but actually there's plenty of opportunities for them to slip and hurt themselves throughout their lives um, yeah. and yeah so like even just hard flooring is just such a such a big question as a physio it's one of the you know ones you end up asking what's your flooring <laughs> get yeah. some carpets and you see that people post things on social media, don't they? Where they're like, oh, look how cute my dog is scrabbling to stand up. And you're like, oh, he's really struggling. <laughs> he's going to, you know, hurt himself. And people think things look like that are quite cute. And you're like, no, they're not. I um, I do a lot of talks, uh, public speaking talks. And I do one on canine communication. And I've done it like, a, 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 you know, place like the National Pet Show and things like that. And um, But you show pictures of uh, dogs and members of the family and you go out to the audience and say, oh, you know, what, what does this like? And I always put this picture of a dog up uh, and uh, with a kind of a child in the in, in the basket with a dog and the child's all cuddling the dog and everything. And he goes, oh, that's really sweet. And anybody that's worked with dogs before could absolutely see that that dog is not happy you know and you need to get that child out of their asap um so and and all the signs are there the dog's absolutely telling you this is what i'm feeling uh, please help me and looking at the owner going help me uh, but the owner responds by taking a picture you know and putting it putting it on 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 facebook and it get, gets so many likes everybody thinks it's really really cute so i think things like that are really sad but i think they're easily remedied really are because when when you show that picture and people go oh that's really cute and then you say to them but look this is what the dog's doing and this is what it's saying everyone's like oh right yeah so it's just awareness isn't it it's just it flips out yeah there's, it is exactly that lots of awareness and and also you know it's not about anyone really sort of telling you off it's about just learning that actually there's it's just learning isn't it and like because i always you know i always um, the conversation well i'll go back to the floors that conversation because i know i know i you know i have a dog and it's all filthy and it's much easier to keep a hard floor so i understand it and i understand the bathroom and the kitchen thing so i'm sympathetic but it's a case of just trying to make a compromise the rest of my house is carpet and then in my kitchen when, you know, I have yeah. some, actually some very grippy hard flooring. But, you know, if I didn't, I'd be like, well, I can put the rug down and it can go out for a clean. And it's all compromise yeah. and learning. So, um, yeah, it's really it's really interesting. And, and yeah, the, the behaviourists, though, I think they're doing an amazing job at coming up. Um, you know, I know quite a lot of behaviourists now and they do a fabulous job. And, um, you know, they're getting their they are getting their knowledge out there, which is fabulous. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely. We've all got we've all got things we can learn, haven't we? So, um yeah that's excellent so annabelle also has said leading on from what paul said about nervous dogs mm. my family dog hates the vet oh that's a nice sentence um she's much better now but she's almost 13 years old i'm pretty sure it's because i only took her there to be poked and prodded i wish mm. i took her more times um more more times to make the vets a nice place to visit maybe um just say hello when she was a pup is there is this something that you would are you and other vets encourage? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in an ideal situation, um, you know, you would, you know, just be able to pop in to the vets uh, in passing uh, and do nothing and not have any poking and prodding uh, so that your your dog uh, doesn't necessarily associate that experience of going in there negatively. Unfortunately, from a very, very young age, 
if we're doing everything right, the first thing we do is vaccinate them and microchip them and stick needles in them. So the majority of puppies, I would say, we, we managed to to uh, bribe them with treats and they, you know, the experience isn't, isn't horrendous. But yeah, um, getting them used to that. And I think also um, being calm yourself really helps. Uh, you know, dogs respond really well to, I think, clear leadership where you're calm, you're taking control of the situation. So if you're feeling anxious because you think your pet might be anxious, then your pet starts to become anxious. So I find that often if people are chilled, relaxed, they're just, you know, right, come on, don't worry, I've got this. You know, uh, the dogs often and cats will, will chill out a bit. I think it also comes down to exactly what you've just been saying about education as well, because this dog's 13. So 13 years ago, that wasn't yeah. necessarily the mindset or the thought. You know, veterinary practice has changed a lot over 13 years, definitely. Um, and, you know, back in those days, you just got in, got on, got out. Um, yeah. And then I think these days, vets are a lot more mindful of being kind. Um, if they're not, find another one. <laughs> um, yeah. They, you know, they're, they're much, much more um, aware of those types of things and think more like you do. So um, I think that's also something that's very positive now. Um, but it, and it's also not too late to change that. You can still cut, start going in and visiting the vets. And certainly there are people that do go in regularly and visit the vets and um, just go in for a treat and leave and talk to the receptionist yeah. for five minutes. So um, receptionists everywhere are going to hate me for that now, aren't they? They're going to be like, oh, my God, I've got a million people coming <laughs> in. What's happened? And it'll be, well, we saw this this girl on Facebook and she said yeah. I should go visit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... It's been fabulous talking to you, Paul, and um, I've really enjoyed it and learned so much. It's been really nice learning about you. So I really want to hear what tip you can give us for an awesome summer. Um, well, first of all, can I just say thank you for this experience? It's been great. Um, I love, especially where we are just now, we're all working so, so hard. And uh, the, the opportunity to come and have a cup of tea and a chat has been really appreciated by me. So thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Nice to take some time out. Um, my top tip for summer, I think just from a personal experience is, um, I always define myself by the holidays that I go on. I've really loved it. And now that's been kind of taken away from me. I thought I'd be, you know, really, you know, depressed this year, but I'm not. I'm actually relishing the thought of, you know, exploring, uh, you know, uh, my local area and getting outside more and doing things. So I think my top tip for summer would be whilst we're in this kind of really um, bizarre time and have all these choices taken away from us, that I think there's so much opportunity to to enjoy some things and get back to get back to certain lifestyles that that we didn't think that we'd appreciate anymore and i'm certainly finding stuff you know from the old days that i uh, that i kind of really appreciate so yeah get out more and uh yeah that, that's probably my top tip that's an amazing tip and um you know e yeah equally on that is exploring your local area because um we've discovered because i i have a an old cargo bike so a big you know thing in the front and i take my two dogs and my child and we all fit in there and we go off cycling and um, we're very lucky we've got loads of cycle lanes. But we've just discovered all these new places in our local area. And you and you think, how can I not know about this? That's just ridiculous. And, um, you know, when everybody else was heading off down the beach, um, we just went to our local forest. And there's just no one there. We were sitting there for hours. And, um, and we saw two people pass us the whole time. It was like, that's down the road. 
crazy so yeah that's a really really good tip i like that thank you so much you're very welcome so much for your time and uh yeah it's been really great fun and thank you all of our audience for watching and for joining in we really appreciate the questions it's been really awesome and if you want to nominate a vet to come and talk to me um please let me know you can send me a message however you want to do it just let me know and i will contact that vet and get them on here they're super busy at the moment so i'm struggling to get my backlog but i really really will get them on Take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Yeah, bye, bye. Thank you for listening to Cup of Tea with the Vet. If you want to hear it live and get involved, join us on our Facebook or YouTube channel, Animal Physiotherapy Limited. And if you can leave a review, please do. They really help, and I read every single one. Thanks for listening.